Hello, ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, and dudes of all teenagers, as well as the uh, gals. My name is Christian Chandler. I am here, and y'all are there. Christian. Arguably the most documented person in history. His antics have been witnessed by millions, with many always keeping a close eye on him, waiting to see what he does next. All you did was make me feel sad and depressed. He should love his mother. She misses him. Hello, we're live on the internet. What do you want? Hi, Mom. Hello. I love the women outside. Do not hate. Hate is not so good. <sighs> I want everything about my house off the internet! Don't call anybody. What? I'm asked to shake. What are you going to do about it? attraction what keeps us fascinated this is the story of Chris Chan Christopher Weston Chandler was born on February 24, 1982, in Charlottesville, Virginia, to parents Bob, aged 54, and Barbara, 40. Bob had worked in the engineering field for Western Electric and later General Electric. The family held Bob's life accomplishments very proudly, as he had at least seven patents to his name, including mechanisms used in the production of Kleenex and molding of plastic water containers. Bob was very world-conscious and was an avid collector of stamps since a very young age. Later in life, he developed a love for music, especially foreign music. He eventually amassed a collection of over 10,000 vinyl records. He had a son and daughter from a previous marriage, the relationships with whom were strained to say the least. Barbara was a secretary with Virginia Power. She had a habit of hoarding her belongings and was an emotionally abusive person, which convinced her then 17-year-old son, Cole Smithy, to seek independence and live life on his own. So when Chris came along, Bob and Barb got a chance to start anew. The new family started their new life in their humble Ruckersville home. Chris later claimed that at around two months of age, he uttered his first word, monkey. It didn't take long for the parents to see that Chris wasn't quite like most other babies. The first signs of his autism could be witnessed in 1983. Despite his condition being congenital, he had stated that his autism was brought about by one particularly traumatic event when he was 18 months old. A babysitter named Roach, or Roach, 
would look after baby Christopher whenever his parents would go out in the evenings. One of these nights, Chris inadvertently infuriated her and she locked him in a room filled with toys, in the dark, alone. This would prove so traumatic that he refused to speak for the next six years. Even though he sees this event as the source of all his troubles, he does not blame his parents for keeping Roach as his babysitter, for they did not know better. Despite living out his childhood as a mute, Chris was anything but quiet. He confessed later on in life that he screeched often and was very troublesome to his parents. In 1985, the Hammer household moved into the neighborhood. The Hammers and the Chandlers struck up a cordial relationship, which led to Chris forming a bond with the Hammers' daughter, Sarah. Looking back, Chris considered her to be his closest childhood friend and that she greatly helped him with his autism. However, from what is known of their relationship, it is also likely that she took advantage of Chris's innocence and trust and may be seen more as a bully than a friend. For example, she once told him that Casper the Friendly Ghost was hiding under her house. Naturally, Chris crawled into the Hammer's crawl space to find him, only to find spiderwebs, bugs and dirt instead. Sarah locked him in. After about half an hour, her dad came to his rescue. On another occasion, she told Chris that if he were to eat the upper thing of a honeysuckle, it would taste like honey. This is a reference to the berries of a honeysuckle, which can be slightly harmful if ingested in large doses. Fortunately, their parents told them of the dangers of doing so before Christopher could fulfill Sarah's wish. At the age of five, Chris began studying at Greene County Primary School together with Sarah. It is not known how he was treated here or how he got along with the other kids. In addition to taking regular classes at the primary school, he received language training at James Madison University. In 1987, in a lengthy letter addressed to Chris dated December 26th, Bob offered his outlook on life and presented some life advice for his son. There are many sides to a mountain and many ways to climb it. If you get stopped, back off, regroup, and try another way. If you are still not successful, maybe it is not meant to be. If it is meant to be, having it on the back burner simmering for a while is not bad. It will pop up again, and the way to attain it will be there. Everything in its time. Your mother and I have done our best for you, and in return, we expect at least that from you, for yourself and your children. He also expressed wishes for his son to inherit and hold dearly his vast collection of music movies, stamps, and art prints. He reminisced about the straight razor which he inherited from his grandfather, which he carelessly broke while using it as a screwdriver. Bob still held on to that broken razor his entire life because his grandfather wanted him to have it. Bob hoped that Chris would share his father's sentiment. I hope that you will not carelessly misuse, waste, or destroy the value of the many things I have collected for you. First, learn all about them how to use them and enjoy them, their value, and how you can thoughtlessly waste their value. Then enjoy them as I have. For example, my very good stamp collection, or all the recorded popular music on cassette tape, VCR tapes, and records. My books on popular music, movies, entertainers, musical theater, chip models, my daylilies, gazebo, and dreams. This letter offers an insight into Bob's character as he feared that all he had accomplished over the course of his life may be lost. In 1989, 
During a weekly trip to the toy store with his mother, Chris picked up a GoBot up on display and slowly started to read out the text on the package, ending his six years of silence. Later that same year, Bob and Chris converted the shed in their backyard into a workshop, christening it the Dreaming Studio. Bob had hoped that he and his son would build things together there. He even commemorated the space with a plaque. Dreaming Studio of Mr. C and Little C, where dreams do come true. However, when asked about it, Chris could not recall what, if anything, had been built there. It was instead mostly used by Barbara for storage. For Christmas of that year, he got a Nintendo Game Boy. This was also the year that the family got Patty Chandler, a Beagle Spitz mix, which they picked up as a pup from their Aunt Karina. Chris grew very attached to the dog, displaying a fondness and arguably a love rarely shown for anything or anyone else in his life. In 1990, Bob co-hosted a jazz marathon on WTJU radio. During the program, he displayed his keen knowledge on 20s and 30s jazz music. Okay, now we go on to performance number two, which is tight like that. This is November the 9th, 1928, with Chicago personnel, Tampa Red's Hokum Jug Band. There's a great group of Chicago musicians featuring kazoo, guitar, and jug by Hudson Whitaker. Tampa Red's guitar, Thomas A. Dorsey is on the piano and the washboard. Frankie Halfpipe Jackson, vocals interact to make this a great session. Listen for some very good kazoo and jugs, and notice how Halfpipe Jackson laughs like scat singing. Very unusual. Nineteen ninety also marked the last year of Chris's tenure at Greene County Primary School. For his fourth grade studies, he transferred to Nathaniel Green Elementary School. It was here where he allegedly had very distressing experiences. He asserts that the staff at the school didn't know how to handle autistic children and treated him cruelly. Chris contends that five members of staff abused him by pinning him down to the ground, holding his wrists and ankles, and audiotaping his cries. Furthermore, he claimed that the principal forced him to sit on his lap and said offensive things to him. But little Christopher resisted, and the advances never went further than that. The principal is also claimed to be gay, which Chris feels justifies his homophobia. I was abused by one. A homosexual principal at my elementary school slapped me on his lap, said some offensive things to me, and I felt uncomfortable. Even though Chris's accounts of the events could not be verified, it is also not unlikely that an event like this could have taken place. Though Chris never specified the reasoning behind their attacks, nor did he state whether him being restrained and being assaulted by the principal were separate or related events, it is possible that he may have been restrained and verbally abused as a form of disciplinary action, and even placed in a scream room, which was a fairly common school installation for dealing with autistic children up until the mid-1990s. Whatever events transpired, it forced Chris's parents to take him away from Nathaniel Green Elementary School. To further things, they took the case to Green County Court. After the school board threatened to take Chris out of mainstream education and instate him into a special needs school, the Chandlers dropped the case. For the remainder of the school year, he was homeschooled. It was around this tumultuous time that young Christopher had an uplifting experience that would change his life. During a shopping trip in Richmond, 
possibly in December 1992, but in other accounts, he stated that it was 1989, he came across the Leonard Bernstein Symphony Orchestra, a show comprised of animatronic characters that is held around Christmas time at the Regency Square shopping mall. The conductor, Leonard Bernstein, is made to be fully interactive with his audience with the help of a human controller behind the scenes. On this blessed day, the turnout for the show was weak, so Chris got extra attention from the bear. When Leonard asked him his name, the person controlling the animatronic misheard it and answered back, calling him Christian. The boy took this as a profound sign and felt that he should be called Christian. In order for Chris to continue with formal education, Bob and Chris moved to Chesterfield County while Barbara remained in the family house in Rutgersville with Patty so she could keep working. Christian enrolled in Providence Middle School in Richmond. He looked back fondly over his time here, giving special credit to his teacher Virginia Sanford. She was the most influential teacher in my life. During my years at Providence Middle School, she taught me better social skills how to better cope with other people, bullies, and life. With a positive and fun tomboyish attitude, she was a teacher any child would be most proud to look up to and be taught by. He also forged a friendship with Natasha Turner, a girl a few years older than him. He lost romantic interest in her when he saw her smoking. They would often hang out together at the bus stop. He would sometimes give her money on behalf of his father for her friendship and attention. Chris would later realize that Natasha was, in a sense, a friend with benefits. She would stay with him and be friendly in exchange for a monetary reward from Bob. Bob knew that his son had little hope in forming true friendships otherwise. The Avengers of Sonic the Hedgehog, the cool new TV show, is on the air! In the fall of 93, Sega, the video game developer, held a watch-and-win sweepstakes contest in conjunction with their Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon. The lucky winner would get a $1,000 shopping spree at KB Toys. And that winner was Chris. Christian is one of only about 100 winners nationally to receive $1,000 worth of Sega games and equipment. For his parents, it's just another example of how well he's doing. Christian is a high-functioning autistic child. This past fall, on his own initiative, he entered a contest based on a favorite cartoon character. What I had to do was exactly watch Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon and I'd listen to what Sonic says at the end of it and write it down for a whole week and then I had to mail it in and I had to be drawn out of a hat and I just won. And Christian's father says it only takes a few hours for him to master an electronic game and then move on to another. I can't master any of them. That's it for now. And it's this is the first of many competitions that he entered during his life and has cemented itself as a likely key reinforcer to his future sense of entitlement. On December 29, 1993, the Richmond Times-Dispatch published an article about Christian's magical encounter with Leonard Bernstein entitled, It Took a Talking Bear to Give the Name a Young Boy Loves. The boy's father recounts the events of the day. Since this was early in the Christmas season, on a Thursday afternoon, the crowd was light. The conversation between Leonard and Christopher lasted about an hour. Christopher was spellbound. Something unusual happened during that conversation. When Leonard Bernstein, in a decidedly British accent, asked Christopher his name, the bearer must have misunderstood what the boy replied. Leonard started calling our son Christian. What better name for the Christmas season 
and the name stuck like glue. From that time on, for the past year, his name has been Christian Weston Chandler. Christian is very emphatic about that. Bob also offered up some insight into the family's situation. Christopher is a high-functioning autistic child. While intellectually, his age level is 12 or 13, socially, he is around age 7 or 8. He has some behavior problems with his peers and relates better with children a few years younger than him. The Greene County school system was not equipped to teach an autistic child, Mr. Chandler said. The Chesterfield County school system has accepted him with open arms. The article also mentions that Bob had originally wanted to name his son Christian, but had chickened out. It is unclear what scared him off from naming his child Christian. In any case, the following year, the boy had his name legally changed to Christian Weston Chandler. In the spring of 96, Barbara retired from her secretarial position at Virginia Power and moved in with Bob and Chris, reuniting the boy with Patty the dog. In late spring, Chris graduated from Providence Middle School. As a parting gift, Mrs. Sanford wrote a personal, touching, and prophetic letter to Chris. Well, it's been three years now at Providence, and it's all over. Where has the time gone to? The most important parting words I can leave you with, well, are to always remember this. You show people where your weak points are located, then they will know how to push your button. If you never show them, they will never know. I hope you will have an enjoyable summer and come back to visit. Do your very best at Manchester, put your best foot forward, and treat others as you wish to be treated. Love, Mrs. Sanford. The Manchester in question happened to be Manchester High School, where, according to Christian, he spent the happiest years of his life. Over the course of four semesters, he studied Spanish, of which he has a very loose grasp. For class assignments, he adopted a Spanish name, Ricardo, a common practice for students in order to better get into character and the culture of the language. However, Christian got too into character and often used Ricardo in class assignments outside of Spanish and even considers it as part of his real name. When riding on the school bus, he used to sit right in front of the bus door so he could always get off the fastest. However, during his freshman year, he got into an altercation with another boy who wanted to be off the bus first. He punched Christian in the face, knocking his glasses off. In order to resolve the issue, Chris was forced to take the special ed bus to school from then on, which deeply affected him. He always felt very uncomfortable associating with others whom he called slow in the minds. I ended up with this really worse off mentally challenged person who could hardly ever speak other than err. That boy bopped me on the back of the head for his own laughs. The special ed teacher who rode on the bus talked with his brother about it, and he kept him from bopping me. But having to put up with his nonsensical slur talk was still just as cringy and horrifying. Ugh. Among his other activities, he served as a water boy and allegedly a manager for the school basketball team, the Manchester Lancers, along with Joseph Herring, one of Christian's only male friends. Chris had always gravitated towards girls, and at Manchester, this was no exception. He had a sizable group of female friends, which he dubbed Gal Pals. Among the first that he met was Molly Quarles, a cheerleader at the time whom he met as a freshman. He fondly remembered them being paired up during a matchup event for Valentine's Day. 
Laura Beth Dorazio was another cheerleader Chris met and fell for. But after he confessed that he had a crush on her, she told him that she would like them to remain just as friends. Tiffany Gowan was said to be a real good girl to Chris, and he has described her as a bit of a tomboy and a peppermint patty to his Charlie Brown. Kelly Andes was his biggest crush and says they were high school sweethearts, even though they were never in an actual relationship together. Sarah Bevel was in the same chemistry class along with Kelly and Chris. Sarah had a boyfriend at the time and Chris watched them interact, hoping to experience that kind of relationship one day. It was fun to just watch them flirt with each other. I've could have learned from that, but my autism and normal social phobias held me back then. Miranda Mitchell was the big brain in his circle of friends and shared computer graphics class with Christian. His group of gal pals were possibly not genuinely interested in a friendship with Chris, but rather stayed with him out of pity or as protection. A later comment made by Chris suggests that the group had made an arrangement with Bob and or the principal of the high school. Concerning schoolwork, there is a wealth of information that has been attained which helps to refute his previous claims that he held an honor roll streak all throughout high school. For one of his assignments, he had to conduct an interview with his parents, offering some more information about their life experiences. For the question, why did you choose to have children? They answered, it's nice to have kids. For what adjustments did you have to make after your first child arrived? They answered, laughter from four kids and three situations, referring to the troubled past marriages and estranged children. Interestingly, when asked about what has been the hardest part about parenting, the answer was dealing with the school system. In another assignment concerning families, Chris inserted mathematical equations into his definitions, making them hard to read and understand. For example, he defined a nuclear family as a mother, father, and X is more than or equal to one child sharing the same household. He also described adoption as a right to raise a child who is biologically their own. Christian took part in a parenting exercise in which he wore an empathy belly to simulate the feeling of being a pregnant woman. He wrote a report describing his experience. Having a belly like a pregnant woman was really an awkward experience. When I tried to get my pencil bag out of my backpack, the belly held me back by putting pressure on my left leg. Luckily my arms were long, but if they were any shorter, I would have had a real problem to reach the pencil bag. While I was sitting in my chair, the belly made it uncomfortable for me to cross my legs, and while my legs were separated, it put pressure on my private part, which gave me a strange, weird feeling. He wrote an essay about Japan's involvement in World War II. It should be noted that he addressed himself as Ricardo W. Chandler, with Christian placed in parentheses, and wrote English in Spanish. The teacher justly corrected this. According to Chris, the war was a very tragic event, with guns, insults, and yuck. He continues, The Japanese and Americans had deemed glowering at each other like boxers from opposite corners of a 5,000 mile ring, waiting for the bout to begin. So the US and Japan really wanted to get it on. He also quoted that President Woodrow Wilson tried to get Japan to withdraw from Shandong. Christian's essay ended up being a mishmash of events of both world wars. In addition, he referenced several books, however all of his findings could be found within the first eight pages. The teacher commented, Restate Thesis. 
There is a page titled Warm Fuzzies for Christian W. Chandler, which most likely was a class activity in which the students wrote nice things to each other in order to promote acceptance. The messages left for Chris read very bland, such as, I like your clothes, is a very funny and nice person, okay, funny, you are a nice person, nice watch, you tell great jokes, and you tell fun jokes. But perhaps the most baffling piece of writing that there is on record is his 13 lucky writing tips, an assignment for English class, in which he switches four tips in to what most closely resembles Spanish. In any case, it is little more than unintelligible garble. Use standard written English. Do not use contractions in formal writing. You must have a thesis statement in each essay. The thesis statement es el finalier estance de introductori paragrafe. Tu escribes de literature. El thesis include el llama de author y llama de work. Los paragraphs supporte y relate cue el thesis. Los paragraphs tienes el topic estances hablan el unifying concepto de el paragraph. Los details support y relate a el topic estance de paragraph. Necesitas los adecuate soporte details. Escribe el literatore el presente tense. Necesitas tres muchaco mirar de puente. Necesitas creas muy bien tu escribes creas sense y es muy logical. Cheques to escribir muy carefully. From the school report, it can be seen that he failed all but two of his 14 assignments, earning a D plus for the year. At age 16, Chris wrote a poem entitled Song of Christian for his class, loosely based on Walt Whitman's Song of Myself. He decided to record his creation for posterity in video form. The video itself is poorly lit, but there isn't much to see anyway. I hear America singing as I sing of myself, and you experience as I experience. The problems of yourself are my problems. The other young singing cries a happiness. The children's song is song of laughter. At age six weeks, I sang the song of laughter. That one and a half years of age, the Lord clicked the mute button on me. My song that I sing, although I talk well, my peer relationship is low and my loneliness is off the scale. Anyway, that's my poem. Beyond just reciting the poem, he pretends to be the enthusiastic host of the Christian Chandler Show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Christian Chandler Show. Where you get lots of laughs and all that neat old stuff. Now, here he is, the host with the most, Christian Chandler. Good evening, friends, and welcome to the Christian Chandler Show. I am your host, Christian Chandler. He then rambles on about his fascination with the Sonic the Hedgehog universe and talks about Bionic the Hedgehog, his first Sonic-related creation, which he came up with during basketball practice. And then I have science friend that helps, of course, Tails that flies, Nicholas he punches and climbs, and Bionic, well, you heard rumors about Bionic. He's that science brother I met myself, who's that very good basketball player and mechanic. Uh, I can tell you the background story on him. He proceeds to rant about receiving an F in yeah. English class. I see by God, that's about time I sign off. But uh, before I go, I just one thing to say to uh, the teacher. 
And up in English class, you have got to be kidding me. I mean an F. I do not even know when was the last time I got an F. I mean, who knows? It could have been back in old Green County. That stupid place. Yeesh. That Green County Primary. Actually, it was a nice school, but then it came the thing of Green Elementary. That's why I got the F. Anyway, that many years rolled by. Then you came along and gave me an F. I mean, I start off with an A, and you just lowered it, lowered it, lowered it. I'm getting sick and tired of this lower day. What do you have against against the handicapped children anyway? I mean, I know my handicap is autism, and I'm not afraid to admit it. And you, Mrs. Bird, I think that F is very disrespectful. I mean, I am very emotional about it. Anyway, it's time I sign off. Well, this has been the Christian Channel Show. Around the same time, he made a series of stop-motion videos of races set in his Lego-made town called Quickville, based on his own initials. They were made with a Game Boy camera, which produced grainy, low-resolution grayscale photos, or, alternatively, low-quality stop-motion video. The awkward frame rate makes it difficult to discern what is actually going on. But it is important to note that all the racers are named either after pop culture characters that Christian idolized, or people he knew in real life. This is the earliest account of Chris using people to play out his fantasies. The biggest trend in kids' toy history, it's multi-multi-billion dollars. Throughout the late 1990s, the Pokemon franchise was spreading across North America, with Chris keeping a keen eye on it. He began playing the trading card game, and included illustrations of Pokemon characters in his Spanish homework. He also wrote a lengthy essay detailing how the Pokemon came into their Pokeballs, with which his teacher was very pleased. The year 1999 marked the birth of his wall of originals. This was a designated portion of the wall which displayed Pokemon trading cards that Chris made himself. It featured original Pokemon such as a female Pikachu, called Chikachu, and Plotistic, a plant which is autistic. Chris himself also appeared several times. His fascination grew to a point that he would dress up as the Pokemon character Ash Ketchum out in public. Around mid-1999, Christian launched his first website, a simple Pokemon-themed effort humbly called Quick's Pokesite, cementing the moniker Quick. It was soon replaced by Quick's Pokesite 2 with a new logo designed by Miranda. He updated it with personal and Pokemon-related news here, semi-regularly, for the next year and a half. This year also marked Christian's first visit to The Game Place, a game and hobby store which allowed returning customers to play video games, board games, or trading card games. It quickly became his weekly haunt. The Pokemon craze was captured on film for Richmond's NBC affiliates WWBT News. The report featured excited young kids playing the game and trying to explain the phenomenon. How do you play the game? I can't explain, it's too long. Their bewildered parents standing witness. Um, I'm watching and, and uh, I still have no clue. <laughs> and a 17-year-old Chris in action. I'll switch, I'll put out my Dragonair, even though it has 60 damage on it. Oh boy. And I have three energy on it. Slam attack. So if you had the time to tell me... To commemorate Valentine's Day of the year 2000, Christian wrote a Valentine's Day hymn, 
a free verse effort in which he reveals that he holds very traditional views on courtship and the predetermined rules of etiquette for men and women. On a date, the man could not pay the bill, so his date slammed her door in his face. The man's coat over a puddle, the maiden walks, then the man trips and pays the laundry bill. Under the moonlight, the couples of the world kiss, but unfortunately for a few, they are interrupted by their parents. He uploaded it onto his website. Ten days later, Chris celebrated his 18th birthday, a date which he held in the highest regard. Among the guests in attendance were a handful of Christian's gal pals and his half-brother Cole. Nearly three years after the fact, he reminisced about the event. I will never forget my 18th birthday party. It was the best of the rest. The weekend before my real birthday, my mother and I prepared for the party I was going to host that day. We hung balloons and streamers, and we laid refreshments on the table. At the door was four of my high school amigas, and one of them brought a friend. We ate pepperoni pizza and drank Pepsi. It was great. As mother lit the candles, I was filling up with ecstasy. After I blew the candles, I was presented with a big jawbreaker from Kelly, an R.L. Stein novel from Sarah, a planer with stickers from Miranda, and a rabbit doll with jelly beans from Tiffany. We watched Good Burger and had fun. After they left, it was done. What did I wish for? I'm not telling. Even though he seemed pleased that his gal pals came to celebrate, he was never pictured together with them, preferring to sit alone. He is also photographed wearing a pair of jeans with a suspicious stain on his crotch. Some have speculated that it is dried semen, but it is unlikely. About a month later, Chris was tasked with designing a CD jewel case for his graphic design class. On the fateful day on March 17th, 2000, I wanted to feature on my favorite hit CD cover, lifelong hero Sonic the Hedgehog and cute newer character Pikachu, but copyrighted characters were prohibited from the project. So, in my mind, I pondered and pondered, when it hit me visually, Sonic and Pikachu combined. In a way to escape copyright, he combined Sonic the Hedgehog and Pikachu to create Sonichu, the electric hedgehog Pokemon, which Christian considers to be one of his greatest life accomplishments. The CD tracklist itself consists of Pokemon, Sonic and Mario related music, with intermittent appearances of old-time jazz from artists such as Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby undoubtedly an influence from his father. Another month later, Chris had to document a week of his life for a school project. The result was A Week with Christian W. Chandler, a self-documentary, which detailed the events of his life from April 29th to May 5th, 2000. The front cover features a blurry photo of Chris and Patty, with a discolored ghostly Sonic below. He writes it in the third person, as if followed by a documentary crew. On April 29th, he visits Books A Million to participate in the Pokemon Trading Card Game League. Afterwards, he enters a costume contest, and since he wore his regular Ash Ketchum outfit, he wins and receives a cool t-shirt as a reward. The following day, he talks about packing and moving things from their home in Richmond to their old house in Rutgersville. The next day, he goes to high school. He uses a tripod to help take pictures of himself. During class, Mr. Goss discussed the difference between Shakespeare's world and the real world of today. 
Christian rested his eyes after Mr. Goss's discussion and before the bell rang. Next, he had trigonometry. I'd hate to be Christian when his nerves kicked into action after waking up from a naughty snooze cruise, but I was. Next was computer graphics. It was great for him today, because he got to print his own CD cover. Next was Spanish too. He took a quiz today, but I think he feels confident in his work. And finally, after a hard odd day, he rides home on a bus, but unfortunately, it had a few slow in the minds on it. The following day, he repeats the routine of snoozing through class, and that on even days, he eats lunch with Tiffany and Sarah. For the following day, he describes his daily activities at home, which mostly consist of playing video games and managing his website. The next day, he talks about working in computer graphics class and making a Mother of the Year award for Barbara, which he plans to give to her on Mother's Day. For the final day's report, Chris states that it was a difficult Friday. One of his duties included taking part in a senior group photo. After the long wait for the pictures to be taken, being crowded like a sardine surrounded by immature teenage boys, and having the hot, hot sun shining down on him and everyone else, he went back to the shady entrance. After the photo shoot, Chris was picked up by his dad. And that concludes our week-long documentary of A Week with Christian W. Chandler, the autistic boy that has made it this far. Colon close parentheses. Chris wouldn't pass up an opportunity to go to the senior prom, so he did, bringing his mother along as a date. Even though Christian had labeled the set of photos as the senior prom, it is possible that it was some other social gathering due to the fact that the event is held during the daytime. Looking back on the prom, he claimed that he was naive about dating unlike the other students. Out of pity or out of genuine compassion, Tiffany asked Christian to dance. I hesitated at first, but she grabbed my hand and pulled me onto the dance floor. We danced for what felt like hours. It was the most pleasant experience of that night, and I thank her for dancing with me then. He felt that her willingness to dance with him meant that she was attracted to him, and stated that if they were to meet again, they would start a relationship. Graduation The end of high school The end of his interactions with his gal pals Most importantly, it was the day Christian had to be recognized for his achievements. But unfortunately, this wasn't the case. I only got recognized for my grades with a star pin yet they had more fancier awards for more important qualities. I should have been highly recognized for my artistic talents I showed in my many art classes for the award ceremonies before graduation day. I felt crestfallen greatly from not getting recognized for any of my talents. I excelled in math too for the love of God. I was so f jealous. I was a high-functioning autistic boy who came way beyond out of his social shell only to get zilch, nada, zip, a big fat zero. I felt so devastated and out of sync. As a result of his heartbreak, he only went up on stage to receive his diploma without looking at anyone's face nor shaking anyone's hand. After the ceremony was over, he found himself an unoccupied table, sat by it, and cried. Eventually, his mother and later Tiffany came to console him. His father would look back on this event with shame and anger for years to come. Christian's time at high school is still thought of fondly by him 
recalling his sweet memories of creating artistic projects for class and frequently hanging out with his gal pals, all of which were abruptly ended with that gloomy, rainy graduation. But with the end of high school came the promise of a new world in college, a chance for new friends, new experiences, and the first steps to a brighter future. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this podcast. If you haven't already, please check out the video version of this series up on YouTube on my YouTube channel, Gino Samuel 2.1, to get a better understanding of the story. If you like what I do and you're interested in supporting me, consider checking out my Patreon at patreon.com slash Thanks again. See you around.